have to say. I love how our hymns taunt even death itself like it's its own personality. Oh, where is your sting, death? We fear you no more. And perhaps greater than Ford Chrysler or GM, in our opening hymn, we said these words, From the grave will Christ recall me. God is faithful, doubting's hence. Jesus is my confidence. Jesus is all our confidence. And having been ear witnesses to the empty tomb and cross, to the resurrection story, we are asked today, what do you do with what Paul calls this hope we have, a hope that is way more precious than mere gold? What do you do when that hope is tested in life and that Easter faith is going to be challenged and pushed back? Well, Paul, when talking about Christ, the resurrection, and what that results are like in our life, his answer to us is this. You love him. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. So when you face the sufferings and doubtings of your life, just like the disciples, and the world pushes back on you and that Easter hope you have, what do you do? You love, trust, and rejoice. Okay, quick quiz. What do you do when life pushes back on you? You love, trust, and rejoice. Those are awesome fallback words when you're going through the trials that you always face in different chapters of your life, whether it's the weakness of your body, the weakness of your finances, the weakness of the world that seems to be chewing you up and not seeing the love of God. We love, we trust, and we rejoice in this Savior who we may never have seen with our physical eyes, but we've learned that we walk by faith and not by sight. And we can always say with confidence, whether in our deepest valleys or we're on top of the mountain, He is risen, is risen indeed. Alleluia. That always is fact and not fable. Because if Easter was just some sort of cruel hoax in history, then what Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians would be our sad reality. He says, if Christ has not risen, your faith is in vain, and you are still in your sins. See, the resurrection of Christ is that cornerstone, even beyond the empty cross, that empty tomb is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. Without it, we have no hope for this life or life to come. Because even if Jesus only pays for our debt of sin, he still had to conquer the grave to show what he is offering us in that payment of sin. That's why it's so important we recognize that our belief in Christ's resurrection is not based on some made-up religious feeling or some unfounded rumor, but it is historical, provable fact with evidence to support it. I mean, we start off every Sunday by rechecking the text messages that God sent us in his word. The many, many stories of what he promised would happen, what did happen, and pointing back to what happened, it would hold up in court, these evidences. All the 500 plus witnesses, the official police report to Pilate, the Roman guard who put the spear in Jesus' side, proving that yes, he indeed did die, and then the guards who fled the empty tomb after the earthquake, these are all modern day evidences usable in court to argue a case. And today, someone is looking for more evidence. We remember the story of Thomas on the Sunday after Easter. And many of us feel often how he feels. He's given up, is what it feels like on that Easter for Thomas. Instead of getting in the game, Thomas believes the game is over, and he just wants to get on with life. He feels like Jesus is still missing, still perhaps 
conquered and dead. I mean, his friends, some of who were fishermen, told him the story that Jesus has risen, but he wasn't there to actually see it. It's like saying the fish was this long. Really, Peter? Really? Jesus has risen, they tell him, but he wasn't there to see it for himself. And Thomas responds with a, a whatever attitude. Whatever, guys. Until Jesus returns and he sees the wound in his side, the nail prints in his hands, and then he changes that whatever attitude to a wherever, Lord. You are my Lord and my God, and wherever you take me, send me, or wherever I must suffer and speak the truth, you will always be my Lord and my God. It's almost like he gets that Peter confession moment. You know, Peter has that great confession when Jesus asks him, you know, who do the people say that I am, and who do you say that I am? You know, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus hears Thomas now say, you are my Lord, and that could go so far for all of them. You are my Lord and teacher and rabbi, but you are my God. Remember, that's the verse you share with people like the Jehovah Witnesses who deny Jesus ever allowed himself to claim to be God himself. Thomas does it here, and Jesus doesn't say, whoa, 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 you know, Lord maybe, God, no. He accepts that label so many different times, and now he proves it because he is a living reality of God in the flesh. And that's why I like these verses in 1 Peter tied to this doubting Thomas story, which is kind of unfair because really it's not that he had the word doubting. He's really disbelieving Thomas is a better way to, to translate that. Disbelieving, something that we all go through. The other disciples say he's risen, he wasn't there. It's where does his desire take him? He's wanting to believe. His doubts aren't about giving up totally and saying this was all a hoax. But he's looking for that one more mountaintop experience to be there like they were for the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah were there. Imagine them coming down saying, we saw Moses and Elijah. And the other disciples said, well, we didn't get to see it. Maybe we shouldn't believe it. Doubt or disbelieving should always lead you to an investigation for the deeper truths. And Paul says, you have a hope that is more precious than gold, a living hope. This kind of hope comes from the resurrection, something that nothing else in history can give a hope like this. And 1 Peter is written, you have to understand, to Christians who are suffering or about to suffer even more from their government, from their persecutors, from the old religion of the Jews who don't understand or like this Messiah-following group of people. And he writes to them to encourage them that what they have in the midst of their trials and temptations and testings is something more powerful than than anything they can think of in earth. And they have discovered this living hope that comes from an empty tomb, that changes their whatever attitude into a wherever you take me, Lord. Promise. Easter is the truth that turns a church from a museum into a ministry. We have to understand that. We don't gather here just to read through an old ancient holy book and say, oh, that was nice. Those people did some nice things. That Jesus, he did some miracles. It said today in our gospel, those miracles aren't to wow us or to woo us, but to point us to the one who rose from the grave and build that relationship with our creator, redeemer, and our sanctifier, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everything in the Bible points us back to Jesus, and Jesus points us to the Father in the relationship he wants in that recall. He wants to recall us back to what was lost in the Garden of Eden. He wants to restore paradise through this redemption. But take away Easter and the resurrection, then we get together merely just to consider the teachings of a dead rabbi long ago. That would be the museum. 
if that's what we settle for, if Jesus is still in the grave. But if you embrace Easter, ah, if you embrace Easter and Jesus is alive, then we discover he's more than a sage, he's a savior. A savior from sin. A savior who rescues all of humanity, who dies for the sins of the worst of criminals, of which we are the worst of sinners and criminals. And as our savior, Jesus provides now that relationship, that advantage of being one with God. And that gives us meaning and purpose in life, does it not? When you know you are one and loved by the creator, and that he gives you even the gift of faith and hope itself, it's not something you earn or do or achieve through some intellectual pursuit. Because of Easter, Jesus gives the power now to go from whatever to wherever. And that's the difference. Judas missed out on that. He went from whatever to the tree and hung himself. He gave up. He thought there was no love left from the Lord in his life. And he was ashamed. And he didn't fall under the mercy of the blood at the foot of the cross so that he could see the empty tomb that promised him a resurrection. Now this is radically different from what today's generation tends to have as their mindset and how to live. For the millennials or those like them, it's all about YOLO and FOMO. You ever heard of those? YOLO and FOMO on Facebook or in commercials or on TV? YOLO you might know. You only live once. FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah, I don't want to miss out on life's great adventures, on the pleasures of this world. Avoid pain, seek pleasure. Is still alive and well even after the Greeks have come and gone. Live, not for the one, but for oneself, is often where our generation has been over and over. It expresses itself even in our grandparents' generation that we admire so much. It had its own YOLO and FOMO way of living. And the next generation sadly isn't concerned about doubting God when they're so busy looking for that next experience, seeking that next adventure in some odd way that affirms to them that they are alive. I've jumped off a cliff, I've skydived, I've gone scuba diving, I've done adventurous things, so I must be alive. And that gives them value. I must be valuable because I've done these things. And I've maybe done them with other people who value these things. But this leads to the same sin that you see in the Garden of Eden turning inward on oneself, turning inward and trusting in only yourself as the God and destiny of your own life and no need for the God that really exists. Because if I'm doing well, then I give myself the credit. If life is hurting, well, that couldn't have been me. I'm going to blame the God that I hear others talk about and say he doesn't love me. Our value and our values always come from the empty cross and tomb. Amen? We always have to go back to the empty cross and tomb in our Christian faith to understand that hope that is more precious than gold that takes us from a whatever attitude to the Lord, I will believe whatever and go wherever you lead me. See, Thomas, he dropped all his doubts eventually at the foot of Jesus, at the foot of the cross in the empty tomb. He moved beyond what was for him a moment of whatever doubt to become a committed wherever builder of faith. Think about that. He moves from a moment of doubting whatever and becoming this builder of wherever Christ needs me to build and share his faith. That's movement beyond Jerusalem, movement beyond the empty tomb. Not just gathering and singing around the tomb, kumbaya every Sunday. It's remembering the story, singing about the story of Easter, but then going out. He received that Holy Spirit and he decided 
to live beyond YOLO thinking. He decided to spend his one lifetime living only for Christ. That's our opportunity. Those are choices we have to make every day to live for self or to live for God and others. And Thomas allowed his doubt to drive him to find those deeper truths of his Lord and his God. And that should be the same for us. All our doubts or all our moments of disbelief should take us to the cross and then always left there and then take us to the world. Because that is what Christ asked us to do in his last will and testament. Go. Go and baptize and teach and talk about what you've heard or seen in your life. The presence of my spirit and the conquering victory that I give you each day. Let that be the faith and message that you embrace in your life, no matter what you're dealing with at home or at work or in the darkness of your own thoughts and sadness. Let my name and my empty tomb claim victory over your pain and take you to the world to show that you have been righteous and redeemed. Because the church, it's never meant to be a spectator sport where a few play significant roles and the rest of the congregation sits and cheers on the sidelines. No. God's desire for our congregation is not really more members, but more ministers. Amen? Now, when you say amen, you're signing yourselves up. That's the draft right there. God doesn't need so much more members sitting on a Sunday morning. And this is good. We do need that spiritual nourishment. He wants more ministers going out, saying, my Lord and my God has touched my life this week. Let me tell you about it. Let me share you a wonderful truth of God's love in my life. Let me pray with you. Or will you pray for me? Because I need the Lord's presence and strength for whatever I'm about to face. So you, community of faith, appreciate what you have as Easter Christians. You have a faith in a risen Lord Jesus Christ, a hope with an everlasting heartbeat. And think of it in that way. If we call it a living hope, it is a hope with a heartbeat. That same God who promised that he would die and rise again, he promises us eternal life and protection. Protection from death itself through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that you can look death in the eye, you can call out to it and say, where is your sting, where is your victory? Because I look at an empty tomb and say, you're pretty you know, wimpy because my God conquered you. And my God has given me that same resurrection in my baptism. Because if we die with Christ, we become dead to sin. And just as he rose again, so shall we. He's going to recall us again someday. He's going to give us a rebuilt body and mind and heart. He's going to take us to that place where there's no more suffering or tears, no more worries, but only a peace that goes beyond human understanding. So don't give up on Jesus. Don't doubt your faith in him is not a dead hope because our Savior lives forevermore. Your hope in him is always a living hope with an everlasting heartbeat. Jesus' resurrection, the empty cross and tomb, prove it. So go out. Go out with joy and be not ashamed of the gospel. For you are the light of the world. Amen? In Jesus' name, you are a blessed people. And may God's grace, mercy, and peace strengthen and preserve you always in that true faith to life everlasting so that you live in the strength and confidence of God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing that last verse. Then sing your hosannas and raise your glad voice. Proclaim the blindings that all may rejoice. Laud, honor, and praise to the Lamb that was slain. 
with Father and Spirit.